when I was a one summer I was a camp counselor, and if you've ever been a anyone been a camp counselor over the summer ever, oh man, it's like the most intense, fun, exhausting, uh, aggravating job you'll ever have. You know, it's like I can't hit a kid, I can't smash a kid, I want to so bad, I can't do it. You know, like honestly, but then but then you have these kids that you're just like, oh my gosh, like you know. And it, but it's just like it was such a crazy summer, and I remember just like being this kid, like 19 years old. And it was like our, it was like the first week after school got out, and and I just remember being like, wow, this is like a big responsibility. Like I'm like, in telling kids Bible stories and shaping shaping their faith and telling them about Jesus, and I'm like, I don't know how to do any of this. And I remember uh, I had this kind of experience where I was walking at camp, and I had a guitar over my shoulder, which I did a lot in my 20s, and. Um, and, uh, and I remember I just had like this kind of flash and vision of God saying like, this is what I, how I want you to live. This, I want you to live uh, telling people about Jesus, tell them about me. And I was like, well, I'm not qualified, so thanks for asking me. Um, but I remember just going back to my cabin that night, and I remember just kind of, I didn't read my Bible very much, and so I started to kind of read the Bible. And from that moment on, God just kind of started to like, when I would open up and read the word, it was just like, okay, now they're, now we're talking. Now something's happening here. Because when I was a kid, I was always told, like, you got to read your Bible and pray. You know, that was like the tenets of faith, apparently. Like, read your Bible and pray, that's what counted. And I just, like, I'm like, I can't, I don't know what this means. I don't know what thou is, or in as much. Who's in as much? Um, one time I had a kid in youth ministry that called him King in as much. He thought in as much was a king's name, which was hilarious. Um... <laughs> And, but I was, I really struggled, but it was like, after I had the, an experience, an encounter with God, all of a sudden when I read his word, it kind of became real, when it became alive. Um, this summer, I'm really excited because we are going to read together um, the Gospels, the story of Jesus, and then the book of Acts. Um, and we broke it, broke it out on your uh, chair there, and we'll post it a bunch, so if you lose it, you can find it. Um, and the reason why we're doing that is because I think that for so many people, the Bible has been kind of this misconstrued or misunderstood aspect of what it means to be a Christian. I think to many people, and for me, it was like, you know, like as youth, when I was in youth group, before I was youth pastor, it was like, I measured my faith by how many quiet times I did that week, right? Like, I, I'm a really good Christian this week because I had six out of seven quiet times. Beat that, you know? And, but I didn't really understand what I was reading, or I, or I would just kind of like find something that like sounded good, and then I would regurgitate it later, but I didn't really know. Um, but my, my heart and my prayer for you, all of us and for myself, is that we would just this summer experience God's word in a real fresh and new way. And that we would take all the religion and all the, the expectations that come from whatever place, and we would just kind of do away with them, and we would experience God's word for the first time. Sound good? Cool. So we're going to read. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So if you have a Bible, you can do that. Also, we have version. If you have the version Bible app, go to events, and you'll see 23 Church for Collins. Technology. Jesus has been with his disciples for, um, after the resurrection. Uh, he's ready to go back to heaven to be with his Father. And they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Which is like a whole nother sermon, okay? Talk about that another day. Um, the disciples thought that Jesus had come as a Messiah, but, but more, as a Messiah not just for, not for the world, but for the Jewish people. Like, all right, you're going to be the king now of Israel. We're going to get the Romans out of here, and then Israel's going to be glorious again, right? Oh, sorry. But this is what Jesus says to them. 
It is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you will receive power in the Holy Spirit. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, or last week, or whenever it was. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in your city, in Judea and Samaria, which is like the region and the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from our sight. So Jesus is gone. He's resurrected and he's gone. The key of our faith, remember this, this is really important. The key of what it means to be followers of Jesus is the resurrection. Okay? The cross and the resurrection is the reason why we exist. Right? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he would be one of those great philosophers that we'd read about for years, but it would have no power. It would have, there'd be no, there'd be no movement, there'd be no, uh, it'd, be, it'd be just like great ideas that Jesus kind of talked about, but because of the resurrection, because there is no grave that has a body, there's no bones, there's nothing, that's why we are here, right? And so many times in our lives, I think, as, as people, church people, if you grew up in the church, we thought that a base of our faith was this, was the Bible. But the base of our faith is not the Bible, the basis of our faith is the resurrection, Right? Because the resurrection saved us. The resurrection restored us, transformed us. He, it made us part of a whole different kingdom, a whole different world. And so that's really important to understand. As our culture gets more and more post-Christian, as, our, as we get more, like, there's more access to information than ever before, right? You can read 5,000 commentaries on this today without even, with three clicks, which is amazing, Right? The basis of our faith, the key to our faith, and this is really important, this empowers the Bible, just so you know. I'm not like a Bible hater, like the Bible doesn't matter, you know, in a southern accent. It's the key to our faith is the resurrection, and that's what empowers the Bible. Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. So why is it important to read the Bible? John 21, and I love this verse, it's so cool. John is my favorite uh, gospel book. John was like the lover. John just like loved Jesus, and Jesus loved John, and it was just like, oh, that's why I love John. <laughs> this is what he says. This is the last verse of John. This is before the early church starts. This is John writing um, his last verse. He said, Jesus did many other things as well. So he's, read, he's written all this story of Jesus' life, and it ends with this. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Isn't that cool? It's like, it's like I was there. I watched this happen, and if I told you everything, the whole world, you, like, it, it, there's no way you're gonna, you'd be able to experience it all. There's no way you'd be able to understand, I mean, just like read it all or anything like that. Like, this, is just like the, this is just like the highlight reel of what Jesus did. This is just like the stuff that, that, that I was there, I watched, I saw, I experienced for myself, I, I smelt it, I breathed it in, I, I, I was there, I touched the dirt that Jesus touched. Right? I was there. See, the, the Gospels, the reason why the Gospels are so profound, and the reason why the Bible is so profound, is not because it was a bunch of people who just wrote a bunch of letters and we threw it in a, in a book, right? It's because we got eyewitness accounts to what happened that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John were there, and they were watching, and John was at the cross. He was the only one there. 
He was watching it all happen. The others were at a distance. The reason why reading the Gospels and reading the story of Jesus is so profound is because it's an eyewitness account. It's first-hand look at what happened. When I was in college, I worked at a TV station. I did, my, I did news stuff. And it was fun. It was a blast. I, I enjoyed it. But whenever we go to a fire or like something would happen, what would we look for? We'd look for the eyewitnesses. You know, and sometimes you'd get like some like press release from the company, like something happened, they'd give you a press release, and you're like, this is a bunch of garbage. You know, this isn't true. They weren't there. But what we would look, who we would look for were the eyewitnesses. Because we wanted to hear firsthand what happened. What did you experience? What was going on? In the early church, when all they had was the apostles and themselves, and then they got the Holy Spirit. See, the, the Bible that we know today wasn't even put together until the 4th century, until 400 years after Jesus was resurrected. So the early church didn't like cling to, the, to cling to the Bible every day in their lives. What did they do? They cling to the power of the Holy Spirit and they cling to each other. And the synagogues of that time carried the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, and they, and they may have one per city. But they relied on the eyewitnesses, the people who saw. They relied on Matthew and Mark, and Luke, and John, and Peter, and James. They relied on the disciples. They relied on the ones in Mary Magdalene, and they, and they relied on Mary and Martha, and they, just, they, they would just listen. What was it like? The people that never met Jesus. They relied on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's work, and then the, the clinging to each other, and then the ones who saw. And over the next 50 years, the ones who saw wrote it all down. And they put it together, 400-some A.D. And that's how we get our Bible. And so don't think of this as a book. It's not really a book. It's a series of eyewitness accounts, people that saw what Jesus did, who walked with him, who hung out with him, who they were hanging in the desert together, they were hanging at the beach together, they fished with him, they went to the synagogues together, they were friends, they were in relationship. It's a story of people eyewitnessing what was happening. So the key to the early church were the stories. How are we to live now? Well, Jesus said this. How do we know Jesus said that? Because I heard him say it. So did I. So did I. So did I. Why is this so important? And, and also, I, I heard him say it, and then also the Holy Spirit that's infilled me is just like beating that same drum. Do you understand that Jesus, one of Jesus' most ongoing commands was love your enemies? Do you realize how contrary to the culture that was? Do you know how contrary to this culture that is? When you watch the news? But they said, we saw him, we heard him. Holy Spirit is beating that same drum. So, why is it so important that we get to read the word of God. And we'll talk about the power and all that stuff, so don't hear, throw stones. It's important because people were there. You know, the, like the, the, the story of Paul, like Paul was killing Christians and then he encounters Jesus and then he gets filled with the Spirit and then he, he goes and he like basically takes the church all over the known world at the time. And how do we know that those words are empowered? Because Paul encountered Jesus and he walked with the people that walk with Jesus and he was filled with the Spirit and then he wrote the letters and we put them all together into this book. 
So when we talk about how do we connect the community that we live in to the Christ that we love, we have to know what Jesus said, and we have to know who Jesus was. And we get that through his spirit, right? That's why asking God to fill you with his spirit is asking us to get the words and attitudes and hearts of Christ himself into our lives and into ourselves. And then we get to read the stories for people that were there, for people that saw it, people that marveled, the people that had just much disbelief as you do. The people that up to even Jesus dying and they're like, well, I guess that didn't work. And then when he resurrected, they're like, I think it's him. We're not sure. It's weird. You know? And then when they saw him ascend and the Holy Spirit came, they're like, oh yeah. We have to tell everybody. So why should you read the word? Why should you read God's story? First one is God's words are powerful. God's words are powerful. Understand this. This is not just written word. This was God-breathed, God-spoken words that were written down. When Jesus says, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, when someone hits you, turn the other cheek, if someone steals from you, give them more. Those were not just like, that was a good, hey, let's write that down. That sounded good, right? That sounds really great. Yeah, perfect. No, that, that was God's spoken word. He spoke it out, and then we wrote it down, right? So why is it so important that we read the word? Why should we read this? Why should we engage this in our lives? If I do this, do I have a great relationship with Jesus? Not always. Not always. I know people that read this all the time, and they're the most hypocritical people I know. I'm like, did you read the part about, like, being humble? Did you read the part about, like, loving people who think differently than you? Did you read that part, or just the old part? God's words are powerful. Math, uh, uh, Hebrews 4. And this is like the Bible. Whenever you teach about the Bible, you have to have this verse. This is like has to be in every message, just so you know. It's a little preacher insight. Um, <laughs> For the word of God is active and alive. The word there is, is logos. It's, it's the spoken or written word, okay? So it's like, in my life, there's been times where God, like, at camp, and I'm walking, and I have the guitar, and God says, I'm going to have you do this. Like, his words are powerful and active. Like, when God speaks to you, like, in worship or in your day-to-day life or whenever he speaks to you, there's, it's powerful, right? It's alive. It's, it's not just like, this would be a good thing thought for me to do. This would be a good thing for me to do. It's like, no, there's something deeper than that. It's like you, you might not be able to explain the depth of the scripture to someone, but you can tell people what Jesus did in your life, right? Amen to that? I might not be able to explain the Greek derivative of this word, but I can probably tell you that one time at camp at 20 years old, God called me to love and care for people. No one can take that away. So his words, spoken or written, because these were written, these were spoken words that were written down. His words are powerful, they're alive, they're active, they're sharper than any double-edged sword. It, th- th- these words are so profound. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When, when God speaks to you, I don't know what it does to you, but what it does for me, it gets right to my heart. It can dig past the junk that I've gone in my life. It can dig past, maybe I've hardened my heart. 
I can dig past the bitterness, the pain, the unforgiveness, the frustration, the anger, whatever it is, and it can get right into there, right in the heart. And you, just so you know, unless something gets into your heart, into who you are, into the depth of you, then it doesn't stick, right? It's like the good soil. God wants a good soil so that he can grow good things in your heart. If you never let Christ into your heart, that's what we tell kids, right? Did you ask Jesus into your heart? Yeah. I, told, I told my kids the other day that Jesus doesn't actually live in your heart. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. And they're like, no. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> like, what do you know you're for? <laughs> you know how you talk to children? Um, but he's like, the word, when, he, when God speaks to you or when you read his word, this is God's word speaking. Right? These are the stories. This is, this is like put together. Like, there's so many volumes. Like, you, would, you wouldn't be able to comprehend all that Jesus did. But, but this is, these are the highlights. These are the, this, these are the good, this is the good stuff. And, and when you hear from God, when you experience his words, man, it just gets into you and it penetrates deep and it does something that you may, will never be able to do on your own. It's powerful. Like, there's times there's been bitterness in my heart and God tells me to do something, and I do it, and it just, like, penetrates, softens my heart, makes me whole again. So why should you read the word? Because these are words that God spoke. He spoke them for you. He spoke them for me. And they're there for us to experience so that he can do a work in our hearts, that he can do something deeper that I can't do on my own. And this, with the Holy Spirit's work, it's powerful. Next thing, God's words transform. This is the other verse you use whenever you preach about the word. It says 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. And this is Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy is a, is a Paul calls him a son of faith. Like it's, it's like his little guy, you know, he's been like investing in him and loving him and like helping him to uh, grow and become a pastor and an apostle. And he's, and he's writing these letters to Timothy. These are like really profound letters. These are like father to son, even though they weren't related. But everything that's said in here are, are, are real heartfelt and thought, thoughtful. But as for you, it says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and from your childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Okay, so for Jews in that time, they would have had the, the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, and then the Law and the Prophets, right? They'd have the pro stories and the prophets. And so most, like, uh, Jews that were trying to be, become rabbis or were, like, like, devout Jews, they had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized, which would suck, just saying. <laughs> I can't do that. My brain, I just don't have enough capacity. But he says, I want you to continue to remember what you learned. Remember, how, remember the sacred writings. Remember the things that we've taught you. Remember all of that. Because this will make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So there's a transformative power of what his, he speaks. It'll make you wise. It'll, uh, how many people want wisdom in life? I want wisdom. I pray for that. God, make me wise. Don't make me smart. Make me wise. Smart people aren't always wise. It says all scripture, all written words of God are breathed out by God. And they're profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And this is, this is profound. That the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. 
See, as much as these are writings and these are stories of eyewitness accounts, there's something that happens when you experience this book. There's something that we call it the inherent word of God, that it's perfect, that we don't add or take away from it. Um, but, but there's something just like supernatural, profound. Like when I read and when I experience God's word in my life, whether not just the word, this word, but his, his spirit word, there's something that changes in me, right? There's something that's profound that happens that, that doesn't happen if I don't experience it. Right? He says, everything that's written down, the sacred writings, the things that were written for you are meant to help you, to teach you, to correct you, to train you, but also to make you complete and equipped for every good work. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if I experience his spirit and I experience his word, his written word, so I'm experiencing his word and his word, right? When I, when I experience those things, that I will be complete and equipped for every good work. Notice that it's not this magical thing that happens. It's like, no, no, no. You remember the things that you've learned, continue to grow and to continue to learn, and then you'll be transformed. You'll be complete. You'll be made whole. You'll be made right again. In Christ, we are made right instantly, right? But our day-to-day lives, our thought life, our learning, our understanding is growing over time, right? It's called sanctification. I'm trying to get my heart better. I'm trying to be more like Jesus. I'm trying to give him more of my life. And the only time I can do that is when I experience his presence in his word. New Testament church, we are so blessed to have this. I mean, the lives that were, that, that were the martyrs to make this happen so we can have the words of Jesus, it's unbelievable. And the promise is to those who understand that all scripture is God-breathed. That's words, it's story, but there's something deeper than that. There's been times in my life where I've been like, you know, and we probably all have stories, the whole uh, drop and flop method. We just drop the Bible and open it and point, you know? Like, I need something, God help me. Show me. And then you do that, and it's like, that was for me. Or there's times where I've been like just struggling, I start reading something, and man, that word, that is written for me. There's a time where I made this, I was college, made this stupid mistake, and I said, man, there's so much riding on this situation. I was just starting a ministry, and I was just like a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was just, and I just blown it. You ever have a blown it moment? Anyone blow it besides me? Okay, thanks, Joel. Me and you, buddy. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah. Um, and I just like opened my Bible, and I was broken, and, got, and I saw the verse in, uh, in James chapter 4. It says, if you humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up, and he will give you honor. And I was like, wow, did I not deserve that? But I could just like feel his presence, you know, like, it's okay. Just humble yourself. I'll lift you up. I'll give you honor. I will keep working. This is not stop my work in your life. If anything, what this will do is it'll it'll amplify it. That's because I experienced his word, and I desire in my heart that I would be complete and equipped for every good work. And when things come my way, I can, I can have the word that's written on my heart already. Not just be written on my heart, but be at my lips. Be in my prayers. Be on my voice. Because his word is alive and active. And when this loses its, its uh, work in your life, is when we forget that it's not just a book, it's not just a ritual, it's not just a, not just a sacred writing. 
that's alive and it's active. And the goal is not that I get something out of it. I read it, didn't get anything out of it. How many times have you said that? I've said it a lot. I just read my Bible, I just didn't get anything out of it, you know? Realize that that's not the point. The point is I'm just, I'm just hearing from my father. I'm hearing his words that were written and that were spoken. And I'm learning, I'm growing. So how do you read the Bible? Here we go, this is nuts and bolts stuff. Okay, we got a cruise. All right, so every day there's a little bit of reading. It's like yesterday was 14 verses. I'm like, oh, that's it? That's awesome, you know? Uh, it's about a chapter a day. And it's going to go through chronologically mostly. So this Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are those authors' perception and what they saw of what happened in Jesus' time, right? So from Jesus' birth to his death and his resurrection and his ascension. So you're going to get different perspectives of that, okay? Which is cool. You get like, you ever like, you ever like with someone, someone happens, you tell the story, like, oh yeah, and then there was this and that, and like, oh yeah, that was awesome, you know? It's kind of like that. They're like getting different perspectives of things. So it's going to be somewhat chronological. Like you're going to read the birth of Jesus in, in Luke, and then you're going to read the birth of Jesus in Matthew the next day, okay? Gives you some perspective of what's happening, and it can kind of, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to see this not as like this thing that is a philosophical, philosophical thing that happened, but I want you to see it as like, this is like people who lived and breathed and lived and walked around all the time and hung out, okay? Like, it's story. Just like if I ever write a book about my life, and you'll be like, wow, this is boring. But you'll be like, it's just gonna be story. Like, hey, I did this one time. Cool, you know? But this, but that's what we're gonna read. And then we're gonna read through that and then into the early church, because the early church story is so profound, so deep, um, as is Jesus. So how do you read the Bible? Because there's lots of ways to read the Bible. You can just kind of read it and go, read a verse a day, whatever. Anytime you engage his word, it matters. Amen? Every, anytime you, it's, whether it's a verse or a chapter or, you know, like your verse of the day on the Bible app or like you have a journal you read or whatever, that matters. That is profound. Like the Bible talks about God's word as bread of life, right? Like you consume, you consume it, you eat it, you chew it, you swallow it, right? That's really, really important, okay? My prayer for this summer is that we would not just read it, but we'd experience God through it. Okay? So this is what I do. So you can use this little acronym thing called SOAP. It's a Foursquare thing. So, hash, uh, uh, copyright Wayne Cadero. So, the, the, so this is what I do. I read, I read the chapter, read the section. I don't try to like understand the depth of everything. I try to find the one thing. I try to find the one thing. Just what's the one thing? What's the one verse that just sticks out? I call it the huh moment. You know? I call it like, it doesn't have to be the verse you understand. It doesn't have to be the verse that makes the most sense. It could just be the, huh, what's up with that one, you know? What's, or it might be the one that just hits you, like, oh, I needed that one today. Find the one thing, okay? Then I usually write it out, because when I write things out, I remember them much more than if I don't. So I'll write that out. Write it down. What does it say? The huh moment. Okay, so I write out the scripture. The next thing as I do is it's called observation. That's the, oh, so, get it? Okay. What does it mean? Observ what's happening right now? Okay, this is really important. This is so important. This is what we've stunk at in church over the last 20 years. I think we've, like, forgot to remember that pe these people were people. Like, what was, what's happening? Think about the day. Like, they've, like, when they go to wash uh, when, when Mary washes Jesus' feet with her tears, Jesus had been walking all day. Nasty. 
right? Like humanize it. Make it like this is what's happening in the world. What does it say? Write down observations. It doesn't have to be like this, well, according to the first century theologian, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Be like, hey, Jesus' disciples seem to be going from this point to this point. Um, he's talking to the, this woman, and she, where's her family? I don't know. Like, ask, like, just, just, write. Just, it doesn't have to be deep. What's happening? Read it, reread it, write it down. Take some time to think about it. What's happening here? One thing I'll say is, like, God, what's going on here? You know, like, there's study Bibles that have good notes. You can do that. That's cool. You don't need that, though. What's happening right now? It's like, it's like I, this morning, the reading in Matthew 1 was uh, the angel coming to Joseph, you know, telling him, hey, your, your wife you're going to marry is already pregnant, so good luck with that. No, he says lots of other things. And, she, and he's going to be the Messiah, and his name will be Jesus, and he will save his people. Whew. Then I thought of like a maybe 17 to 20-year-old guy getting that, and I'm like, wow, that must have been really scary, you know? think that way. Oh my gosh, you guys, if you can think about the word, his word that way, it's people like you and me who God encountered. So observe what's going on. And then A of soap is apply it to your life. How should I change? The best question you ever ask when you read his word is how should I change? After I leave, after I get to work, after I get moving today, after I have my cup of coffee finally or whatever, how am I going to change? How am I going to be different? How am I going to think different? How am I going to renew my mind? How should I change? How does this affect my day-to-day life? How does this affect the way I see people? How do I get more of God's heart? We heard a speaker this last week talk about how do you find, how do you be intimate with God? How do you be connected to God? And he's like, and he tells a story of how he was praying about this and thinking about this, and his daughter came and jumped in his lap and put his head on her shoulder, which is, or her head on his, sho- on his chest. And she's like, I hear your heartbeat. And then God was like, bingo. When you experience God's word, and you just don't be like, all right, check, read it. But when you ask God, how should I change? What happens is you align your life to God's heart. And that's how we connect the community to Christ. Because they see in you, not someone who's perfect, but someone who is in line with Christ. That's, that, that is revolutionary. That'll change people. And the last thing, and this, is a, and this one takes time for some people, like me, is you pray. And not just like, God bless me, help me, take care of me, please, God, help. That's the best prayer ever, right? If you pray that each day, you're, out, you're well on your way. But it's, it's really asking the question, God, what do you think? Do you understand that when you have a relation with God that asks that question more than you telling God how you think, then your relation with God changes. It ch- everything changes. God, what do you think? What, should, what, should, what do you think I should do? As opposed to, God, this is what I think you should do. And once you get to it, then I'll be happy. I know we would never say that, but that's how we pray. I heard someone say this week, God has never left a meeting with you more enlightened. It's like, oh, good point, Aaron. <laughs> Never thought of that one. No, God, what do you think about this? What do, what do you think about, what does it mean to love my enemy? Who am I not loving well, God? Tell me, show me. Or how do I want to get to that person who I see as my enemy, even though they're probably a brother or sister? 
How do I love them better? Man, if you start reading this like this, a chapter a day for three months, and not even like, and, and just like, or, or read till you get the aha moment and stop and be like, okay, what's up with this thing? And if you leave and you don't even understand it, that's okay. But if you ask God, how's this, how should I change? And you ask God, what do you think? Then the most profound thing happens is his spirit and his word works together in you and it transforms your life. It transforms your life. So reading God's word so does that sound good for how? So I literally get a piece of paper, I write S, I skip some lines, O, A, P. Nice. Sometimes it's really deep, sometimes it's not. It doesn't matter. I'm consuming, I'm being a part of what God is doing. I'm experiencing him. Last thing, you guys can come up if you want to. Why should we read the God's word? Because it's powerful, it's sharp, it penetrates deep into us, makes us, changes us, it transforms us, it equips us for every good work but it's not all about us. Amen? You can say amen in church. The reason why God's word is important for us to read because it helps us to understand God's mission. Because ultimately, we are not here to just feel good. We're not here to be comfortable. We're not here, honestly, to, to have everything we ha- have everything and be, a, be all, woo, good. Bring on heaven. We are called by God to be ones who pour out. And when Jesus leaves, he says these things. He says, therefore, you and I, not therefore pastors and apostles, therefore, as you're going, wherever you go, it's not go. Like I, I always heard it as go. The Great Commission is go. Okay, I got to go to Africa. Or I got to go to third world country. I got to go for peop- find poor people. You might do that. That's go. But it's as you are going, wherever you are, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this is big. Teach them to obey everything I commanded you. And then here's the promise. Because surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. The reason why we have to experience his word that's spoken through his spirit and his word that's been written down for us is because it aligns us to his mission. I was 20 years old before I knew what the Great Commission was. Like, you have no idea how irritated that makes me. How much that just, the Great Commission is the Great Commission. It's the mission of the church. It's your mission and my mission. This, these words, the last things Jesus says, has been given to us to say this and now, now. Because they said, hey, when are you going to do your, when are you going to build your kingdom? Let's, let's like just, whew, that was a rough three years. That was crazy. Just build your kingdom now. He's like, no. I want you to know I'm, I am giving you my spirit so you can go. You can tell everyone the story. You can tell everyone about the God who loves you and the Savior that came to save you. And you'll teach them to obey everything I commanded. The only way you can do that is by experiencing this. In, in line with his spirit. And those who don't do that or lose that perspective, it's just all about me. How am I going to feel good? How am I going to feel better? How am I going to be comfortable? And God's like, we didn't sign up for comfort. We signed up for mission. Heaven will be comfortable. You realize that? Heaven's going to be cozy. It's going to be awesome. 
And I think sometimes we've said, all right, God, can we have that now? He's like, no, I want you to be my people. I want you to continue to be witnesses. Just as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were witnesses, I want you to be a witness of what God can do in this world. You and I are as ordinary as those guys. And what made them extraordinary is the Spirit of God in them. The story of who Jesus was and is. And that they linked arms together. So my challenge for you, the goal of the, reading the Word is not to be a theologian. I would say the goal for you is not to study the Bible. Okay, I think the studying and the, and the teaching of the Word is, is designed, and I mean, do that if you like that, great. It's typically designed to someone with that gifting. And then what happens is we put that on people over the last 30 years, and they're like, well, I suck at reading the Bible because I don't read as much as this guy. We're probably called to be a teacher. There's people that are called to be theologians. Or I only read this much, so I'm not good. Like, let's just be done with that. Your call from God is to experience his word. And however that works for you, however that hits with you, is the point. So let's pray. Jesus, we ask that you would, in us, create in us a, a hunger and excitement for your word, for your, for your scripture that is God-breathed, that is the story of people who saw that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, and he died, and he rose again. God, I thank you that we don't need to have like 20 years background to read your word. We don't have to have like all the stories memorized or all these things. We just have to experience it in you. We ask God together that your spirit, and I pray this for every person, including myself here, God, that you would just give new eyes and new ears to see and to experience you in the name of Jesus. That all, when we sit down and you know the enemy barks a little bit and he says, well, you can't do this, you can't do that. We just cast it away in the name of Jesus. We fill that with the confidence of knowing that you are there. God, would you just surprise us and shock us and break our hearts? Would we maybe for the first time, just say, wow, this was, this, is, this was for me. God, that's my heart for each person here. Pray that you would just put in us a gumption and an excitement to experience you. There. We thank you, Jesus, and we love you. We give you this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.